lovely ball over the top. Saka again is onside. It's gone in, and Bakaya Saka has buried it. Thought for a moment that maybe Hugo Lloris had kept it out, but the power, the brilliance of Bakaya Saka. Saka comes forward. Saka to Erdegaard. Great goal from Martin Erdegaard. And Arsenal do get that all-important second. Reigning player of the month is on absolute fire. Welcome to the Gunning Truth with Ronnie in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, a podcast that dissects all things Arsenal. Now that's over. Arsenal 2, Tottenham nil blood. Arsenal 2, Tottenham nil, and it wasn't at the Emirates, it was at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Fam. And let me tell you this, blood. I feel like Martin Luther King, blood. I went from having a dream to being sick and tired of being sick and tired, blood. North London is red once again. After a terrible end of last season where we went to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or Nando's Stadium, as I like to call it. The team that has a chicken on a beach ball. And we were humiliated last season. And I feel in the first 45 minutes... We humiliated them this time around. Arsenal winning spectacularly 2-0. You can say the game was over after 25 minutes. And sometimes when you look at it and we can analyze parts of the game, first three minutes, Tottenham looked like they played a little bit better at the beginning of the half. Uh, then you can say Arsenal uh, started dominating the balls and Chinka was absolutely brilliant. Xhaka controlling the tempo in midfield alongside Zinchenko. Uh, our forward players hurrying the Tottenham defence into making mistakes, getting the ball to Lloris when he doesn't want it and putting him under pressure. And it was him that made the mistake for the first goal. Saka getting a brilliant ball from Thomas Partey, who funny enough had one or two poor passes, but had an excellent game. He hit the post as well. So, so many good performances and it just f feels like Arsenal are really on top of things and on top of Tottenham. Uh, I was absolutely amazed and I was so calm in the game, uh, especially, let's say, the f after 10 minutes, you could see that Arsenal was going to win this game. They were calm, composed and uh, forward thinking in this game. In defence, defending from the front, Eddie Nketiah, constantly criticized i don't know people aren't watching the football game they got uh, agendas this guy was working his socks off yes he could have done a little bit better in the two chances that he had for goals but uh, i think the first chance uh, very difficult for him to have scored from there because even if he passed loris there was three tottenham defenders on the line so it would have been difficult for him to score even if he passed uh loris so uh 
everybody was excellent. Ramsdale got man of the match, which uh, if a couple of months down the line, if you see Arsenal won 2-0, but Ramsdale was man of the match, then it almost feels like uh, Arsenal were peppered, but he made key saves at key moments. Key saves against Kane, Kane twice, Son, and then uh, Sessegnon, the left wing back of Tottenham as well. But uh, North London is red all over, as I like to say. We finally win at Tottenham's Toilet Bowl. So what does this mean for the log situation? So at the time of recording, funny enough, Tottenham have just messed up against Manchester City. Uh, This is Thursday evening, going into Friday morning, where uh, Tottenham were 2-0 up against Manchester City at the city of Manchester Stadium, the Etihad Stadium, and then somehow... Tottenham just did the Tottenham and imploded in the second half to lose 4-2 and that meant that the log situation is Arsenal 18 points 47 points sorry after 18 games with a goal difference of 28 however after Manchester City's result now they've played 19 games so they finished their half and uh, plus 30 obviously they won by two clear goals so the goal difference got added to uh, 42 points, so they're 5 points behind us now, having played a game more. And then Man United, 3 points back, 19 games played, 39 points. So in the top 6, Arsenal played 18, Man City, Man United, Newcastle all played 19, and Tottenham and Fulham. Fulham in 6th place, can you believe it? 31 points after 20 games. Uh, they have played 20 games, those teams. But uh, Arsenal's team for the North London derby, Ramsdale in goal, Ben White. Been 10 out of 10 white. Uh, right centre-back Saliba, fantastic performance. Gabriel was immense at left centre-back. Zinchenko controlling the entire game from left-back, moving into midfield. He was uh, amazing as well, 9 out of 10 performance. The only reason why he didn't get 10 is he didn't score or assist, and he allowed Kulusevski once, one, once or twice to get behind him. Uh, in midfield, as always, Thomas Partey, one, two, maybe even three uh, lazy passes at times, but he was absolutely excellent in the way that he controlled his part of midfield and pushed on when we were in attack. Obviously, with Zinchenko kind of being the number six, and Xhaka and Thomas both uh, assisting the front four very quickly, winning the ball, and we had all those players uh, in this in the attacking half or the defensive half of Tottenham and spray spraying passes all over and just dominating Tottenham. It's it's unfortunate that Arsenal had gotten tired and couldn't bring on the players earlier to seal the game and that's also part of the transfer window of which I don't want to mention the hijacking of Chelsea for uh, Mikhailo Mudrik. A week ago I said I was going to do a podcast and it's going to start with us signing Mikhailo Mudrik but we actually, at the time of this recording, are finalizing a deal for Brighton forward, Leandro Trossard. So uh, I will give my thoughts after the after the Spurs game that I want to discuss. But uh, 
yeah, everybody was excellent. Uh, up front, obviously, so we've got in midfield Thomas Partey, the 6, left 8, Xhaka, right 8 slash 10, Odegaard, captain, scored, was phenomenal again, my personal man of the match, and our uh, front 3 of Nketiah through the middle, left winger Martinelli, who I thought had a up and down game, worked hard once again, but uh, not everything worked out on that side of the field for him. And uh, he was up against Matt Doherty, and Doherty was probably slightly one of the better players, but uh, I thought the level was slightly lower from Martinelli. Nketiah was excellent up front. He would be my second man of the match. And then uh, Bukaya Saka causing Sessignon all sorts of problems at right winger. So Arsenal, excellent all over the pitch. Can't complain of... There's nothing I can complain about. Uh, obviously, Tottenham, they are at home. They didn't play well, but they still had here in the opportunities, of which uh, we defended well mostly, controlled the game mostly, and when they did get through, because of little bits of quality that they showed, uh, we had Ramsdale there. And obviously, incidents taking place after the game that I want to just uh, mention. Uh, Arsenal actually have been fined for a second time now. They were fined for the Newcastle uh, uh, gathering around the referee or uh, things that were said to the referee when we were appealing a penalty, which should have been a penalty, should have won that game 1 or 2 nil, but uh, that's in the past. And then Arsenal also fined again for the Oxford game where there was a clear penalty, again a poor decision from the referees, no VAR, and Arsenal were fined £40,000 for, uh, once again, not controlling their players or something to that effect. However, the reason why I'm bringing that up is there were two uh, very sour incidents. First of all, uh, while Ramsdale was giving it back to the Spurs fans. So obviously behind the goal, you've got your most vociferous uh, supporters generally when you go away from home and they always tend to banter you know a friendly banter uh, towards our goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale and he just tends to being a, a goalkeeper that's that came from non-league and league one and championship clubs where banter is actually quite funny uh, the Spurs fans obviously gave it to him and he kissed his badge at the end of the game and Richarlison who, I don't know from where this guy comes, I mean, his goalkeeper has more Premier League goals than him, uh, but he comes out of nowhere and he, he, I don't know if he punched him or just grabbed Ramsdale by the neck, and when you have the still pictures, it looks like he punched him at his, by his neck or by his chin or whatever. However, Arsenal got fined twice for voicing their opinion, maybe not in the right way, but voicing their opinion on incorrect decisions. Should have had a penalty against Newcastle. Should have had a penalty against Oxford. However, Arsenal has gotten a combined £80,000 fine for those two incidents, and that happens. Richarlison can punch our player after the game. The referee did see it, but nothing, no retrospective action. Uh, takes place so something is not quite right when it comes to decisions against us even though we're top of the league even though we are we are now five points clear is it five yeah it is five points clear and uh, even though we are top we're looking good we're playing well it doesn't seem like at this moment in time the pressure is getting to us because we went to a place where we haven't won we've never won at the new Tottenham Stadium we've scored one goal there uh, previously 
and a pressure was on despite the fact that uh, Man United beat Man City and actually it's brought Man United back into the league uh, however they ended up drawing last night against Crystal Meth or Crystal Palace FC thank you Patrick Vera a late goal from a I was or Lisa I think scored and then he didn't celebrate I don't know if he's a Man United fan so they drew 1-1 Casemiro their fantastic central defensive mid- well I do personally rate him as one of the best holding midfielders in the world but he plays for United now uh, he is suspended he got his fifth yellow card and even though Arsenal have four players on four yellow cards Saliba, Saka, Martinelli and uh, Gabriel Jesus are all on four yellow cards and obviously Jesus won't but the other three can still be suspended if they get yellow cards against Man United because that will be our 19th game of the season so we don't have those guys suspended for the United game but one of the three could be still suspended for the Everton game thereafter which is a little bit better than having to miss out on this game but Casemiro is out so it will be Fred and McTominay or Fred and uh, Ericsson I wouldn't if I was them play Ericsson uh, with one of McTominay or Fred but not that I care. They can actually play that because it will give us much more space in midfield that we would like to have. But uh, yeah, so uh, the, the pressure situation, things will still happen from a pressure standpoint. That's why it's important to do another signing. At the time of this recording, it sounds like uh, Trossard will go through tomorrow before lunchtime. So it's very likely that he will make his debut at the Emirates from the bench on Sunday, if there's no injuries, touch wood. Uh, look, we're looking good. We're looking good if we can get maybe another one more player in. The only serious link at this moment is for a right back with uh, Cedric Suarez going to Fulham on loan with an option or obligation to buy. I think it's probably going to be an obligation. And then we're looking at Fresneda, who is a right back for one of the Spanish clubs. Very talented, highly rated. Newcastle United is also looking off, looking at him. So, uh, but it seems like there's a couple of stories that that reckons we are favourites to sign him. Whether we need him now or not, it's a possibility that we might loan him back. But it's a a player for the future. But now you also come back and you say we've got Brook Norton Cuffey that's uh, out on loan. That's also quite good and highly rated so maybe that deal doesn't take place it's not something that's needed but it's it's the only serious links at this moment in time uh, we've got uh, El Neni that picked up a knock in training before the Spurs game so we don't know how serious that is he already has had a three-month injury uh, yes a, a three-month knee injury or no it was a three-month hamstring injury that he had and it's only due to the fact that it was a world cup that he could make his way back i think he was back by the time we had pre or mid-season so uh, without now going into a further tangent it seems like we are probably short at six so uh, if Thomas Partey had something happening to him, I'm not confident with Xhaka playing the deep role again. And I'm not confident with Sambi at all. In fact, um, I think we need to move on from Sambi. We won't do so because it doesn't look like we're going to get anyone else in. It doesn't sound like El Nini's injury is serious. So uh, I actually don't think we'll get anything anymore because if Trossard's deal goes through, then we've got uh, Smith Rowe that can cover 10, 8, and left wing 
you've got uh, Martinelli already at left wing. You've got Trossard that can play both wings as well as a second striker. And you've got Saka and Nelson that portrays the right wing position. However, all of our wingers can play on both sides. It's just that it tends to be that Smith Rowe and Trossard as well as Martinelli prefers the left side of attack uh, in terms of the position that they are generally playing at at their best and then Nelson at his best on right wing as well as Saka on the right wing but we need to be in a situation where we are able to trust uh, players other than Saka and Martinelli in the final running for the rest of the season because we're going to need them I difficult for me to say now how that Man City game will go so after Man United on Sunday we are playing the following Friday night against Manchester City so it's going to be a psychological game more more than we want to go through in the FA Cup because you don't want to be in a situation where you make changes Man City plays their full team which might or might not happen because they've got they've just played tonight and they're playing again against Wolves on Sunday and then they have to play us on the following Friday. So somewhere along the line, it gets too much for them as well. They've had some tough games. They had to play Spurs. They had to come from behind. They already lost to United. They're playing a resurgent Wolves on Sunday. That, that, that's an energy team. So uh, that could also be a problem for Man City going into that Friday night FA Cup game. I'm not concerned about going through. I'm just concerned about the actual effect that the result will have going forward for us. We need to focus on the Europa League and we haven't won a European trophy in ages and uh, we need to focus on this league chase, obviously. So I would love it if we could have a midfielder and a striker, a plan B striker come in. It doesn't seem like we are looking at another striker. In fact, there was links of another winger, a Bournemouth winger there's been links to so it's very strange that we linked to quite a few wide players but not really center forwards and even though a year ago we heard that uh, Martinelli is training to be a striker and I actually think he's going to eventually be a striker but he's been so good on the left wing I don't know if it's possible to play Trossard left wing Martinelli through the middle and Saka on the right in certain games just to give uh, Nketiah a rest or I don't know if uh, Arteta is going, going to try and play Trossard through the middle or ESR as a false nine so all those options are there but I would have preferred a plan B striker uh, even if we can get someone on loan in the last couple of days just for six months just so that we can have that option uh, we do not know when Jesus comes back it might be March it might be mid to late March I thought it might be end of Feb uh, but that might not happen. He might actually miss the Manchester Derby Part 3, the way we have the league game at the Etihad. So, lots of options for Arsenal. Next up, I discuss our hopeful new signing. Hopefully, Chelsea doesn't come in last minute, but I think it is done. Leandro Trossard, the Belgian left winger slash second striker, is hopefully signing tomorrow, Friday before lunchtime so that he can be registered for the Man United game. I also need to discuss the Man United game. It's here again. Arsenal-Man United. My personal biggest game. Tottenham-Arsenal is not the biggest game for me. It's Arsenal-Man United. Up the arse. Competition time in association 
with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, you could win a Pirates meal voucher at the Gunners Pub. Remember, you can collect your voucher at the pub, and you have until the end of January to collect your prize. There is a different way this time for you to be able to win this prize. You need to email thegunningtruth at gmail.com. I'll post the link in the description of this podcast, but it's important that you provide me with your thoughts for what Arsenal should be doing in this latest and upcoming transfer window. Let me know what we should do. I think it's a very, very important transfer window and it's going to basically determine where we end at the end of the season. Come on, you Gunners. So, it seems like uh, a couple of hours from now, before 2 o'clock South African time, hopefully, we very likely will have our first signing of the January transfer window. Arsenal Football Club, it sounds like, has uh, got their man. Left-sided or left-winger, he can play attacking midfield, he can play centre-forward. Leandro Trossard of Brighton, a player that's regularly given us problems in League Cup losses, as well as league home and away games. His contract actually actually expires on the 30th of June 2024. So that means that uh, Brighton have actually exercised that extra year in his contract, which means that the fee slightly went up. So Arsenal were hoping to pay around about 20 million in total for him. Obviously a little bit less upfront less than 20 million up front with add-ons but it sounds like because of the fact that Brighton ended up triggering that extra year it sounds like it's going to be 21 million pounds plus 6 million in add-ons which I think is a is an okay deal especially with the fact that they did uh, use that extra year in negotiations otherwise uh, it would have been quite an expensive deal for a player that is generally going to be a squad player but he is good enough to start. I've actually checked out these goals, scored seven goals in the Premier League and has two assists. Uh, remember, Martin Odegaard is our top goal scorer, our captain, our uh, right-sided eight-slash-number-10, hard-working captain, eight goals in the Premier League. And here we've got Trossard who comes into the team and is already the second-highest goal scorer with seven, even though he didn't score anything for us. And from that seven, he scored at the Etihad. He scored a hat-trick at Anfield, a place where we've scored three goals in the last six years in league games. And uh, he has scored against Chelsea when Brighton smashed them. I think it was 4-0 or 4-1. So five of his goals has come against top, top, top six teams or the normal top six teams that tends to play. His career record for Brighton... 121 games, 25 goals, 14 assists, of which most of those 25 goals has come in the last two years or so. He scored 39 goals, 21 assists at Genk, so he's got a decent 1-4 in four record, if I'm not mistaken. He's played for a team called Lomel, Hever, Heverleer, Leuven, and Westerloer. That all sounds like Belgian clubs to me. So he's got a 1-4 in four goal record, but in the last two seasons, uh, I think his goal tally has actually increased. And seven goals in two games, sorry, seven goals and two assists this season is really not bad. Even though one of them was a hat-trick, but the hat-trick was at Anfield. 
So seven goals, three assists, it shows on another website. So on the one website, seven goals, two assists. On the other, seven goals, three assists. Played 16 games. Uh, Brighton has played 19 games up till now, so he's only missed three. Uh, 1,327 minutes in total. And then he's obviously played one EFL Cup game and very likely was the one against us where he played 28 minutes uh, at the Emirates when they knocked us out. He also did play against Arsenal in the 4-2 win that we had not so long ago. I think it was the, the New Year's Eve game where we were absolutely excellent for 60 minutes and then looked ragged for the last 20 to 25 minutes. I'm uh, just trying to see if I can get his in international experience. But just in total, 25 goals, 14 assists in 116 games in the Premier League itself. So that is not bad. So in five games, he's got no goals, no assists in FA Cup and League Cup games. National career, five goals in 24 games for Belgium. And I'm pretty certain about 20 of those 24 games he was playing from the bench so a decent record uh, he is an international for belgium uh, date of birth is the 4th of december 1994 so that means he just recently turned 28 he's 1.72 meters tall and his preferred position is left winger so obviously the mighty martinelli plays there so decent stats nothing nothing to write a home about in terms of world class but I think he is there to assist our front line. Uh, a, a, a signing that makes sense. So we have been linked with, uh, obviously, Mudrik, a deal that we all thought were done. This time last week, I was talking in the podcast about it being done. However, Chelsea came in with a 100 million euro bid, whereby uh, most of that 100 million is paid up front and most of the add-ons are easily achievable. Arsenal were only going to offer about 20 to 25 million less in terms of upfront fees and then uh, very difficult achievable add-ons so uh, Shakhtar Nets obviously, obviously went for the Chelsea deal the player clearly got it but uh, we had to move on quickly it was uh, quite an annoyance the Saturday before the North London derby that we missed out on our number one target but uh, as per publications today saying that within 24 to 72 hours Arsenal wrapped up the Leandro Trossard deal. So hopefully, holding thumbs, that the registration and the second part of the medical, because there's rumours that the first part of the medical took place in Brighton sometime today, because he did train today at Brighton, and then the second part tomorrow at London Colney. Pictures, announcements... And hopefully the fax machine works so that we can get the documents signed over to the Premier League by 2 o'clock South African time tomorrow, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock lunchtime, UK time. And then he will be able to play on Sunday or be on the bench on Sunday. I can't see him starting. That, that I don't think will take place. I think it will be the same team that we would normally play. Uh, the same team that played against Tottenham. However, we will now have some bench depth with uh, Vieira, Smith-Rowe and Trossard to come on. I think Marquinhos will then fall out. So in terms of other transfer news, it sounds like Cedric Suarez is going to Fulham. Highly likely a loan with an obligation to buy. Uh, probably the main reason for that is to do with the fact that his wages is quite high. So it breaks the wage structure 
which I don't know how that's possible because Mitrovic and Bernd Leno are high earners. So I don't know what the wage issue is. Uh, it sounds like that we're in for a Spanish right back, Freshneda. There's no talks of Tillemont. I think that ship might have sailed because it sounds like Arsenal are going to go big in for uh, Declan Rice of West Ham. I still don't 100% believe that because he's a Chelsea fan and Chelsea, despite the fact that they have four holding midfielders, will, just wants to buy everybody, Todd Bowley. But it is what it is. So hopefully tomorrow Leandro Trossard is a Arsenal player, hopefully with a shirt raised, hopefully signed before. 2 o'clock South African time and in the squad on Sunday for Man United. Man United Arsenal preview next. Arsenal Academy was in action again this past weekend where Arsenal under-21s in the Premier League 2 defeated Leicester City 2-1. Once again, uh, like with all our academy teams, we tend to concede quite a bit of goals. Uh, and uh, normally silly goals, but it's all part of the learning curve at the end of the day. So a 2-1 win, Arsenal under-21s in the Premier League 2 the log situation currently in the Premier League 2 Division 1 Manchester City currently top 13 games played 27 points Arsenal 1 point back in 3rd place 13 games played 26 points uh, Arsenal have lost the least amount of games but uh, a recent thumping against Manchester City obviously allowed Man City to go top Chelsea have played a game more on the same amount of points as Arsenal 14 games played and uh, what's noticeable is uh, Arsenal don't tend to score that much in fact out of the top four teams they've scored the least amount of goals slightly yeah even the fifth place team has scored more goals than Arsenal uh, Arsenal have got the second tied second best defensive record in the league with uh, Fulham under 21s having the best defensive record in the league that's 14 goals conceded so uh, still looking good for Arsenal in Premier League 2 where a couple of seasons ago we actually won the Premier League 2 I think it was uh, back when Ketty used to play quite often and uh, I think it was called the under 23s back then or the reserves so uh, looking good for Arsenal under 21s 13 games played 26 points 1 point behind Man City on the same amount of points as Chelsea having played a game less and then Arsenal under-18s played in the FA Youth Cup, round four. A game actually played at St. James's Park against Newcastle United under-18s. And another thriller of a game, another late goal. A game where Arsenal dominated mostly, uh, as we were playing quite a few of, of the youngsters, uh, Miles Lewis-Skelly and Wanairi, players that was actually involved on the bench for Arsenal this season, Arsenal men's first team. So it was quite cool to see them playing in this game and Arsenal winning 3-2. They needed a late, late goal. I think the 89th minute goal in order to go through. So Arsenal will now go through to the fifth round. So that generally, if I'm not mistaken, is the last 16. 
and then the sixth round is normally the quarterfinals. Yeah, so that should be the last 16. And Arsenal will be playing Watford away from home. So Watford, I saw, beat Everton. And Everton normally have a very good academy team. So it's looking good also in the FA Youth Cup for Arsenal. Uh, a Youth Cup we last won when Jack Wilshere was a player. And he's actually the coach of the under-18s now. So... Uh, once more, uh, things are improving in the second half of the season for Jack Walsh's Arsenal under-18s. Hopefully next week, Arsenal can be top of the under-21s, even though Man City has a slightly easier game. I haven't double-checked all the fixtures yet, but I know that Arsenal and Man City both have winnable games based on how the log situation looks ahead of next week. But uh, it's not always about the results when it comes to the under-18s and under-21s. Sometimes it's about the development of these players because, as we well know, Hale intends to produce quite a few first-team players in the last five years. It's part of the new Arsenal DNA. Up the young guns. Arsenal women had a humongous game at the Emirates Stadium on Sunday afternoon against Chelsea. And despite dominating for large periods and... Uh, Two of our key, as I've said in previous podcasts, our key attackers were really missed in this game because we missed a load of chances. Despite dominating, despite getting on top of the Chelsea press, which is a theme where Chelsea have been able to get the better of Arsenal ladies in the last couple of years, whereby they tend to press us quite high into mistakes and then they tend to get some quite cheap goals, which once again took place in the game on Sunday. Arsenal drawing 1-1 with Chelsea ladies. Chelsea ladies remaining on top of the log. Chelsea 11 games played, 28 points. Three ahead of Arsenal and Man United women. Man United women uh, goes over into second place after they thumped Liverpool women. So uh, Chelsea first, 11 games played, 28 points. And Man United women second placed, 10 games played, 25 points. And Arsenal women 10 games played, 25 points as well. So, uh, unfortunate draw. I thought Arsenal were absolutely excellent on the day. However, just the final bits in the final third seemed to be a problem. Another thing that was prevalent in the game, we had quite a few signings all in clusters uh, from one of the guys that I follow, Tim Stillman, that uh, tends to give quite cool information regarding the women's team says that it works a bit different with regards to transfers in England because uh, two of our four players that has recently come in in the January transfer window actually had their deals done in December already. However, the UK visa situation, it's not as quick as when it is with the men. So it tends to take much longer for players to be registered that comes from other countries. So uh, players that we got in was Cool from Norshaland in Denmark an attacking midfielder. Uh, we brought in Pelova from the Netherlands. Uh, we brought in a goalkeeper, D'Angelo, from Sweden. So those are three players that were probably done in December already. However, they had to wait for the visas or the work permits to go through. And then the fourth player was uh, recalled recently from Everton. Uh, that is Gio Kirosh, a Brazilian attacking player that we bought from Barcelona last summer but due to the fact that we had all these attacking players we loaned her out to Everton 
and uh, a very disappointing six months for her in England because she barely played, which was strange because she's actually the best player in the Everton team. So I don't know what exactly went wrong there. But all of these players were on the bench and uh, unfortunately they've probably had one or two sessions and it probably wasn't right for our manager to bring them on in such a big game. However, Arsenal did suffer in the last 20 minutes with uh, Chelsea finishing quite strong and possibly could even have won the game despite the fact that Arsenal dominated for the first 70 minutes. So a, I would say a disappointing 1-1 draw but Chelsea are one of the best teams in Europe. So uh, Arsenal's been doing much better against the better teams. Yes, Arsenal have lost their only game to Man United women at the Emirates Stadium. Also, problems in the last 15 minutes in a game where Arsenal dominated mostly. Uh, but they were a little bit more open than normal in that game and Arsenal obviously now paying the price because games between Chelsea, Man United and Man City women as well as Arsenal is actually going to determine as I've said in previous podcasts how the league will go and uh, obviously if you look at it Arsenal have drawn with Chelsea at home and lost at home to Man United women so in the second part of the season they actually have to go to these places they also have to go to Manchester City women the game that they have in hand and then they only have one home game left so that is a little bit concerning so hopefully the players that Arsenal have brought in will be able to kind of share the goals around because Beth Mead and Miedema both serious knee injuries or out for the entire season might miss the World Cup and that's big players especially across women's world football it's players that's in the top 10 in the world that we have out for the entire season so that means it's going to be very tricky for Arsenal to be able to replace those goals replace big moments in big games and that is exactly why Arsenal have lost 3-2 and uh, I think it was in the Man United game where Beth Mead got a serious knee injury and then not long after I think in a Champions League game Miedema got the long-term knee injury as well so uh, that is a problem if you analyze it because the players that's in very exciting young but from other countries so they also have to adapt in the six months so it's going to be tricky Arsenal's not favorite for the title but uh, got a very good manager and he's got a good uh, team unit going with the Arsenal woman so uh, team cohesion is going to be key especially with four new players coming in two players have gone out uh, two very popular players has gone out so far in uh, Jordan Nobbs who's been at Arsenal for 12 years I think it is and Mana Iwabuchi who's a very skillful Japanese player but doesn't quite fit the style of uh, uh, Edeval the Arsenal women's coach uh, funny enough Iwabuchi actually went to Tottenham uh, there isn't such huge rivalry when it comes to the women. Arsenal have actually loaned out a player the last three consecutive seasons to Tottenham in January. So uh, there doesn't seem to be that big of a rivalry when it comes to the women's side of things. But it is starting to grow. Uh, rivalries against uh, Man United as well as Tottenham. There's already a big rivalry with Chelsea. Because of the last uh, decade, Chelsea have actually started winning things. However... Arsenal still the only English women's team to win the Women's Champions League. So this upcoming weekend, there are more WSL games. Arsenal are away to Brighton. Brighton are currently 11th on the log. However, it's actually 
the Brighton game last season that cost Arsenal the league title. They actually ended up losing. They had one or two injuries on the day, played really badly and lost 2-0 to Brighton at the beginning of 2022. And that was the difference because they lost the league by two points. And that, that game was the game where you can say that Arsenal lost the league. But the ladies are still looking good. Only three points off Chelsea with a game in hand. Unfortunately, that game in hand is against the resurgent Man City woman. So tough upcoming period for Arsenal. But I feel that they can do it. There's also Women's League Cup quarterfinals upcoming. Uh, of which Arsenal are playing on next Thursday. They are playing, so it's a league game this coming Sunday against Brighton, and then they're playing a League Cup quarterfinal game against Leeds, no, against Aston Villa at home. So that means a former Arsenal player that I mentioned earlier that's just left us after 12 years uh, will be back up against Arsenal. So that's next Thursday against Aston Villa, League Cup quarterfinal. And then the following Sunday, it's Women's FA Cup Day, where Arsenal host Leeds United. So interesting. A lot of games coming quick and fast with February. The Women's Champions League quarterfinals will be taking place. The draw still needs to take place. And then it's the final eight. So things are coming thick and fast. Hopefully Arsenal are able to maintain their levels remember they beat Lyon the women's champions league champions reigning defending champions league champions for the women they beat them 5-1 on their patch so uh, since then it's been up and down the results or the performances as well as serious injuries to both center backs and uh, they are both back now however our two attacking players are out for the season and that's huge so let's hope that the new players can integrate quickly score goals win games against teams you need to win and actually win games against the teams in and around us man city away and home chelsea away and man united ladies away up the woman <laughs> Arsenal versus Excrement FC, Manure, Manchester United, the team that I despise. There is probably no other team in world sport. I'm a huge rugby, cricket, football fan. And there's just one team that I despise. I do despise Tottenham, but not as much. I don't live in North London. The biggest game for me growing up was Arsenal Man United. And uh, this is a big, big, big deal. When I started this podcast and uh, I reviewed our first couple of games the f in the beginning of the very first podcast that I started doing, I always said that Man United game at Old Trafford. And uh, my fears, if you can call it, I don't fear them. Maybe Arsenal does when they go to Old Trafford. But I knew that we would mess up at Old Trafford, a game where we dominated for most of the game. Uh, uh, the naive word came up when you analyze it from everybody, from uh, social media to pundits. Naivety, we dominated the game, created chances. We were at our best for most of the game. However, we didn't have Thomas Partey in midfield. And how does this narrative change? They don't have their top holding midfielder, Casemiro, there. 
uh, Eric Ten Hag clearly irritated after the late draw with Crystal Palace on Wednesday evening said so in his post-match press conference they are the only team to beat Arsenal and they didn't have Casemiro well we didn't have Thomas Partey that day uh, from what I can remember I know Zinchenko Ben White Saliba Gabriel Ramsdale so they all played and they are very likely going to play this Sunday however we had Sambi Lakonga and Xhaka and Odegaard as our midfield three and we had our full strength Jesus Martinelli and Saka playing Martinelli scored a perfect goal they even said now a couple of months later as they always do that they made a mistake on the VAR so it was a very very key time in the game I think it would have been 1-1 yes 1-1 going into half time and Arsenal playing very good football uh, very annoyingly gave Anthony his first goal in he only scored like three goals this season three league goals and one Europa League goal I think it is uh, showboat 90 million pound player which actually affects us in more ways than one because clubs want that kind of money for players that can barely score goals but he is going to play on Sunday again likely on the right wing so uh, that will be again he will be attacking areas where Zinchenko will be leaving open same like Kulisevsky did at times so we need to be smart however we are at the mighty Emirates Stadium I can't wait for this game I really want us to absolutely batter them I'm going for a 3-1 win so I think that was the score last year as well uh, I feel that we can score goals I feel we can start strong but uh, there's um, another I call it the irritation of Man United and it's Rashford uh, not Trashford Rashford he scores regularly against Arsenal scored twice last season uh, Eriksen had a very good game so he's likely going to play so it could be McTominay and Eriksen in their midfield or it could be McTominay and Fred maybe they would want to show up being away from home uh, I'm sure they will play Martinez and Varane at centre-backs Luke Shaw at left-back Delow or Wan-Bissaka actually had a good game against Palace so Wan-Bissaka can play right back for them so you've got Wan-Bissaka against Martinelli you've got Luke Shaw and Saka they're actually best of friends when they're on England duty so that's going to be an interesting battle and then you've obviously got Nketiah up against Martinez and Varane Varane can be world class at times however sometimes he can actually lose his head from a defensive standpoint in their midfield it's very likely going to be a midfield two of uh, McTominay I would think and Fred I think it could be or it will be McTominay and Ericsson it's difficult to say because they've lost Casemiro and obviously our midfield two will be Xhaka and Thomas Partey and then Odegaard will be our right eight and he will kind of be up against Bruno Fernandes and then they will probably have Anthony uh, Wout Weghorst and Rashford they will have as the front three where we will have uh, Martinelli, Nketiah and Saka up front. Obviously our back four will, back five will stay the same, the exact back five that played at Old Trafford. And obviously Saliba who made one or two technical, technical mistakes. I thought Gabriel had an excellent game that day. But two technical mistakes, very likely mostly because of the positioning of Sambi Lakonga in that game. I still remember uh, that is probably 
someone that wants to step it up, and that's uh, William Saliba. Ben White at right back, left back, Zinchenko, and obviously in goal, Ramsdale. So I'm going for a 3-1 win. It's a game that could go either way, even though 3-1 sounds like it's a bit going to be a, a interesting and attack-minded game. We do need to watch out for Rashford on the left side. However, we've got Martinelli. Sorry, uh, we've got Ben White that will be up against him. And then obviously Martinelli on the left side will come and assist where he can. Or Saka. Saka will. That's Ben White and Saka. Zinchenko and Martinelli. So it's going to be Zinchenko, Martinelli up against Wan-Bissaka and Anthony. And on Arsenal's right will be Ben White, Saka against... Rashford and Luke Shaw. So interesting battles all over the pitch. It's actually in some ways sad that Casemiro isn't there because then we could have, you know, finally finalized the debate. Who's better, Casemiro, former Real Madrid, or Thomas Partey, former Atletico Madrid? Generally used to be Casemiro coming out on top, but not this Sunday. Let's hope Arsenal get the job done. If Arsenal can get the win, they will be on 50 points after 19 games. 50 points. And if they obviously maintain that for the second half of the season, that's 100 points. I don't think it's going to be 100 that, that's needed to win the league, whether it's us or another team. I think the league winning margin might be between 88 and 92 points. So can Arsenal get to 50, first of all, on Sunday? And then I think they need to get 40 points 40 points at most to win the league in the second 19 up the gunners we are top of the league we will still be top of the league after sunday however i don't want any nonsense i don't want man united getting the double over us because i'm going to not be happy up the arsenal come on you gunners